LPL salaries are a lot higher than we thought, or at least they used to be. Potentially some salary cap discussions to go into that. Um, Knight reportedly making 6.6 .6 million USD annually. Now it doesn't sound like that is still happening, but we have no idea. The article is not clear. There is an article that came out from Anonymotum this past week that gives us a lot of insight into the LPL salary story. And we will of course talk about how that relates to the LCS or if it relates. Um, JNT also seven other players reportedly making 4.4 million USD annually. What are your initial thoughts from this crazy ass article? I mean, it's not surprising at all that the top pros in the LPL are making this much money. Um, LPL obviously being the biggest league in the world, probably in terms of competitiveness and then also just straight up viewership. Uh, so, like I said, not surprising at all that these players are making these kinds of money. If I had to guess, it's going to be, you know, your guys like Knight that they said, you know, Doinby, you know, Jackie Love, you can maybe throw in there. Some guys on RNG, you can be thrown there like a, a Gala, Zhao, who, you know, any along the lines of that, but it's not surprising all of the top players are making this much money. I think it's pretty easy to just draw your normal comparisons to LCS or even the LCK, where we look at some of the top contracts in the LCS, you know, whether it was, you know, the Perks contract from 2011, Sword Art from 20, or 2021, I mean, not 2011. And then even some of the stuff like the Jensen getting re-signed in season 10 for 1.4 a year. So the, the point all being them making a lot of money is not a big surprise at all. However, the stuff that is outlined about the salary cap is much more interesting. Basically doing this in an attempt to draw player and team salaries down in order to level out the playing field, which is what a salary cap is supposed to do. Yeah, I think you making the point about the LCS players that we thought were making really big money. And don't get me wrong, they were right. You mentioned Sword Art, you mentioned Jensen, also Perks, of course. That's, I think, why this article was so eye-opening. It's not even saying that they shouldn't be making this kind of money because I, obviously League is way bigger over in China than it is in North America. It's just that I thought that those those contracts were maybe the biggest in the world and apparently not, right? So it's not even that they shouldn't be making it. That you mentioned the more interesting parts come around the salary cap discussions that are in in this article. Um, it says it said in the article in 2020 the initial salary cap was planned to be 1.5 million USD per year, and that indications are that salary cap has increased since 2020. So even though we don't know exactly when the salary cap was implemented, it seems like sometime around 2020. And by the way, that 1.5 million I believe was per team. Yeah, that, that, that was the team salary cap that was outlined. Yeah, and so there's a lot, again, there's a lot to discuss. I guess let's start with there are apparently team salary caps, and then there are individual player salary caps. Let's start with the team side of things, JNT. Do you think it makes sense for the LPL specifically to have salary caps based by team? I think so. I think for the LPL and the LCK especially, I, I think... Even in the LCS, which is obviously the league that most of our attention is, you know, diverted to, but even in the LCS, you can see the disparity between the top and the bottom teams, not only in terms of skill level and record and winning percentage, but also in terms of, you know, player, player salaries, um, social media numbers, uh, viewership for, on a game to game basis. You can see how different it is. And you go over to the LPL and just multiply that by whatever, like, we don't know what the factor is, but multiply it by some factor. And that's what's going on in the LPL. The top players are making even that much more money 
the bottom players are probably making even less money. And there is probably such a bigger middle ground in that league, even compared to the LCS, where we feel like there's probably a big gap. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of middle ground. There's the top and the bottom. So obviously the salary cap will do that, limiting the top players from being able to basically buy the best players in the world because that's that's what a lot of the teams do. And it's been a pretty easy path, path to success for the majority of teams who implement that strategy. Sorry, Team Liquid, they're maybe the only exception to this. Yeah, they're, but, like that's the counter argument, right? Is that maybe there shouldn't be a salary cap because even the teams that do just buy up all the best players, like Team Liquid did last year, don't necessarily have success or in their case, even go to Worlds, right? That's the counter argument. But the argument for salary caps, I would say, is that it helps spread out the talent, the talent amongst the league, which therefore makes games more competitive, right? I think it's it's not healthy for a league if the favorite in a particular matchup is going to win that matchup. Like, I don't know, 90 or 95% of the time, like that's not healthy. Who's going to want to watch when you almost know who's going to win. I think it's far more healthier for a league when the favorite has like, I don't know, a 60% chance or a 70% chance of winning that particular game or best of three or whatever it is. Right. That's far more healthy. And so in theory, the salary cap that helps spread the, the best talent across the league makes that the games are much more interesting. Therefore, there's more people watching. With more, with more people watching, the league is more interesting and there's more sponsors and it's just healthier for the league in general, right? That's the that's at least one of the arguments in favor of salary caps for the team. And the salary cap has been something that people have been talking about in, in league just in a general sense, not just league specific. I, I think this is something that has been brought up multiple times over the last maybe three or four years. And especially within the LCS after, you know, the announcement of the Team Liquid roster, everybody just kind of shook their heads and it was like, oh man, Team Liquid just buying the best players, but it's not going to be competitive, whatever, whatever. And during that time, we did see talks about a salary cap in terms of how can these bottom teams compete with the best teams who just have the most money and are able to buy the best players. Now, with the knowledge that we have now with Team Liquid, that iteration of their roster obviously failing, maybe that, you know, pulls away from that argument a little bit, but, you know, Team Liquid is just maybe one of the only examples of when it didn't work. And maybe we say it didn't work because we had hyped them up to be the best team in the league. But when you have teams in the LPL who not aren't necessarily, you know, the best team or the second best team, but ones who still have access to a lot of money, they can put together rosters that are very competitive in that league. And, you know, while fifth place and sixth place and fourth place doesn't sound very good, if you look at the landscape of the LPL, any place pretty much above sixth is like really, really good. It, it is and it isn't because you're right. Like that's impressive to be sixth out of 17. That means you're a good team. But what teams want is they want to go to worlds, right? That's where you really showcase your brand to not just in the LPL's case, not just China, but the whole world or the LCK. You're, you're showcasing your team to the whole world, right? And those leagues have viewers across, like I watch plenty of the LCK. I'm the, I know I'm not the only one that watches the LCK. So it, the real value is you want to make it to worlds, right? But I think your point is fair to say that a sixth place team in the LPL is still a good team. As for the discussion of whether the LCS should have um, a salary cap, I'm a little bit worried if if the LCS did. I'm not. First of all, by the way, I have no indication that the LCS is considering Im implementing that. I don't. But I'm a little bit fearful if it ever decided to do that because I would wonder how low the cap would be. And if that would disincentivize players to want to play pro and when they could just go be, I don't I mean, it's just, oh, just be Tyler one forehead, right? It's not that simple, but you would make a lot more streaming, which has traditionally been the case already to begin with. 
But that's where I'm worried about if there were a salary cap for the LCS, how low would it be? Because maybe you don't get double lift comeback or Bjergsen, which I know there's a lot of people that are double lift and Bjergsen haters, but you know what? They make the league way more interesting. And so whether you love them or hate them, you want those players to get paid and stay in the league. Yeah, I guess with regards to the LCS introducing a salary cap, I think the most interesting thing that we got from this article was how low the team salary cap was, you know, created yeah. where we heard that, you know, some of these contracts that were given out to these LPL players in these times were almost double, triple, quadruple what the team salary cap was supposed to be. So I would say in the case if we use the LPL model as an example for introducing in the LCS, let's just say, for example, these are going to be random numbers. They hold no value. Let's say the top five players in the LCS, they earn on average $3 million a year. We have no idea if that number is right, but let's just use it as an example. If we then bring the team salary cap to $1.5 million and you then take those top five players, obviously they're going to get their salary slashed in half or potentially even worse, depending on the kind of team you are, if you need to hold all these good players. So I would say that using the LPL model of having the team salary cap so much lower than what the total spending of the top teams already was to begin with, I will say, yes, it probably will de like incentivize players to become pro if streaming is a more lucrative and alternative method to do so because it's no yeah. surprise that streaming is a very lucrative uh, source of income because pro players have been talking about it for so long and you see other top content creators who maybe had the potential to be league pros and you know were maybe on that trajectory but decided to forego that to just be a streamer and cash in on that early on and continue that as a career so uh, i guess i was also a little bit perplexed to see that the lpl decided to go with this 1.5 million dollar figure as their initial cap we don't know exactly when that was implemented, but presumably it was sometime after 2020 because uh, the, the the introduction of the salary cap and the idea behind it was created at some sort of like owner's meeting that happened in like mid-August of 2020. So the earliest it could have happened was 2021, but it's, I would say if the LCS adopted the same model, I would say no, but I think that an, a salary cap for the LCS should be introduced at some point. Interesting. Um, by the way, it does say indications are that salary cap has increased since 2020. So we don't know what it's yeah. increased to, mm -hmm. right? The article doesn't say that. As for the thing is, if eventually the LCS needs a salary cap, maybe. But I would say for now, definitely not. Just with, I, I guess it's just rumors in all fairness. But the rumors are that over the last year, salaries have dr dropped dramatically um, from all the teams. I would imagine that means players like Jensen and Santorin that were, you know, obviously on cloud nine and TL in past years now going to Dignitas. I think that makes sense as to why Dignitas can all of a sudden afford those players. And yes, I know people will laugh at how bad that team is now, but I think that's an indicator that the rumors are probably true that um, salaries have gone down dramatically. And if salaries are going down um, without the salary cap, I don't know if you necessarily still need it. Um, again, because teams like Dignitas who traditionally were never paying for the, top tier players or for the well-known players if they can afford them now i feel like the league is probably in a healthy spot with that one but i wouldn't discount the idea that that you're putting forward that maybe one day we knit we will need a salary cap in the lcs i just don't think it's right now yeah I, especially with this time as you mentioned where by all accounts it's pointing towards that salaries have gone down this past year even double if said he needed he took a cut right even double if said he took a cut to come back mm -hmm. yeah i mean 
Doublet has said on stream a bunch of times that when he, if and when he did come back, it wasn't going to be for money. It was going to be for a good team. And whether or not you believe that statement, but I think it probably holds some percentage of the truth in there that he just primarily wanted to get on a good team. And it was probably not, it's no surprise at all to hear that he took a pay cut to be on 100 Thieves, one of the best teams in the league, pairing up with Bjerg, his former teammate, the GOAT. So, you know. Not surprising don't know with that sentiment. He took like, like it would be funny if he's like, "Yeah, I took a pay cut. I wanted to be a good guy," and then he's like, "Yeah, my pay cut went from one million to nine hundred k." Like that would be yeah. kind of funny, but yeah. Um, okay, another really interesting part of this, which I think it has you just foaming at the mouth, J and T, is the individual player salary caps in the LPL. So it sounds like, and stop me if I'm getting this wrong. From reading the article, it seems that individual players have different salary caps based on their tier list. So um, there are, it said LPL players are classified by experts by analyzing the data and their performance in the game uh, in different tiers of honor, which is like, I guess if you've like won worlds or if you've gone to worlds or you've won a lot of LPL titles and like you're put in S tier, or if you haven't then, you're, but you're still really good, you're put in A tier. This to me seems a little bit wonky because I just don't necessarily see the reason for it. Is there any particular reason that I'm missing as to why like this is necessary? Yeah. I mean, I'm also trying to find whatever the reason is that they decided to do this. I mean, this is a, this player salary cap model is something that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere, whether it's esports, sports, anywhere. The only thing that reminds me of what this is, is an old this was like in fifa back in like 2018 when i played the shit out of that game and they capped like certain cards on the market you they had a designated price like you couldn't go above or below that that is the only thing that this reminds me of is when they put like price caps on fifa cards back in 2018 that is the only thing i've ever seen that has any relation to this you're saying the lpl has been inspired by fifa 18 yeah the video and this is a (laughs) this is like a this is like a this is a sports video game people don't know like you know people know madden like 2k people like it's fifa, FIFA. yeah yeah the, okay so the problem that i have with it is like don't get me wrong analytics can be good i the problem is i don't know how good these particular analytics who's are. who who is deciding what the metrics are are That's pro players problem, deciding right? that are and, and, you know yeah no i i completely agree i i don't understand why this needs to exist and i question who's making these decisions like um when I first read this, the first player that came to mind for me was Hillisang, which I know he's not an LPL player, but Hillisang, for, for those that don't know, has a reputation. He's an LEC support. For those that don't know, he has a reputation for being super aggro and sometimes just running it down and dying a lot. But if you ask an LEC analyst how good is Hillisang, a lot of them will say he's one of the best supports the league has ever had because he makes so much happen. And so while I understand the analytics are probably far more advanced than, oh, this guy gets kills, he must be good, and oh, this guy dies a lot, he must be bad, I worry that someone that might have a lot of deaths or might have bad-looking analytics could be bringing way more value to their team than the analytics would indicate. You know what I mean? And so, like, why suddenly there's a di- you have a higher salary cap if you're an S-tier player, and then you have a slightly lower salary cap if you're an A-tier player, and then B, and so on. That just seems wonky to me. It seems to me... Why not just have the owners, the GMs, and the coaches decide, hey, we have a team salary cap. We decide how much we should we think we should allocate our cap space towards this individual player and let that be the way that the salary cap system works, not having so, a team cap so, and then a player cap. But just to clear up for the people, like so the normal way that everybody does it, 
That's what Absolutely. you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Like why I don't understand the need for for limiting, you know, the salary for players. It's a disservice to the players. If that player is good enough to deserve 99.9 of that team's salary cap, they should get it. If Knight is going to play on a team with four rookies, Knight should be given the whole fucking contract probably. And by the way, please someone let us know if there's something obvious we're missing cuz I would love to like I would I don't love know for, where... I would love to hear it. Yeah, like I don't know where this idea came from, but it had to have came from somewhere. No, I don't. But Just I, I guess to save money, like I don't get. Like my my other question is, who is this benefiting? Like, who is this benefiting? Well, teams, I guess. I don't know the teams that have to pay less to the players. Yeah, but I'm. I mean, I, I guess I can. I mean, the the only thing that I don't even think it makes sense. But the only thing that would make me think that it makes sense is well. Now, the percentage of our salary cap, instead of it being the best player might get 50% of our salary cap, well, now it's going to be the best player might get 30%. And then that gives us an opportunity to sign two other 30% like salary cap type players and then round that out with two 5% because, you know, add that up equals 100% if if you get what I'm saying. But I don't know. To me, the player salary cap makes absolutely no sense. It, It provides no benefit for the teams. It only takes away from the players. and Back to our first point in all this, who is deciding these quote unquote analytics and data metrics to decide whether or not a player deserves to be in their given tier? You know, not that I think this is likely to happen, but like if players either know the the systems that are that are put in place to put players in a specific tier or if those methods are found out or if they're created by pro players, pro players can play towards that and just be a KDA player. Like, I don't even know. Like, and I don't think, I guess another point on that, I don't think that international competition should be tied to this whatsoever because you're going to have players in these various leagues who are never making international competitions ever in their entire career, but can still be top level and high level players. So, or what if your analytics look so bad because, hey, guess what? I went to Worlds and I played against fucking T1. Like, yeah. that'll make your that'll make your stats look a lot worse. And and maybe the analytics are far more advanced than just simple stats. I understand that, but yeah, it, it's a really weird idea. Um, like, is going to want... Worlds an automatic plus, or is it going to Worlds as a plus, and then your performance is either an additional plus, or if your performance is bad, it's a minus. So, like, you just basically don't get any credit for going to Worlds because you played bad at Worlds, like. Oh my god, it makes no fucking sense. It's like I'm getting a bit mad. Yeah, and again, it, maybe there's reasons. So let's not get too mad, JNT. Maybe there's a good reason. Find me the reasons. And we have, we have just yet to hear it. Um. Okay. So on this same sort of topic of player salaries and how much players should be getting paid, there was obviously a tweet that a lot of people have been talking about over the past week or so from Cloud Nine Portillo. Um, for those that don't know, he's been their social media manager for quite a while. He might have become something else. I, I'm pretty sure he's still with Cloud9, but longtime social media manager. He was the guy that was well known for the um, there's no way this team comes back from a 2-0 deficit tweet. Uh, what, what else? was? Um, Thanks, Jensen, the, for giving us our first title when they were up 2-1 yeah. and then they lost. Yeah, and there was um, there was one more. It was the, he got this person's fired been fired or yeah. yes, 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 yes. This person is no longer with the organization has since been fired or something like that. Um, so lots of good. He's a, he's a top tier memer in the LOL community. Very much so. And he came out with the take he tweeted on March 9th. He said, pro players shouldn't be paid loads of money if they don't put effort on taking care of their image. Playing the game, practicing and winning are, on, are not only are not the only 
job of a pro player. Pros also have to work on their social numbers, personal brand, and content creation, which I think a lot of people agree so much with. Um, where do you fall on this one, Jinter? Um, well, I definitely agree. But I think a little bit of this, I mean, what, what he's alluding to is, you know, there's not enough pro players who are you know, trying to up their social media game, who are streaming enough on Twitch or interacting with the community, because I think it's pretty obvious as we've moved on to this new age of the LCS in terms of, you know, franchising and whatnot, there is, at least to me, it feels like a lot less interaction on social media and Twitch streaming from the pros to the just the general law community. And maybe it's picked up a little bit over the course of like the last year or two now, I, I would say maybe kind of spearheaded by evil geniuses because they kind of just seem to have ignited all of the trash talking that's going on in the LCS from, you know, a year or two years ago when they started the whole hashtag live evil. But what was I saying? I just, for, I, I, I like exactly. did a tangent on EG live evil, but. Okay, I'll, you let me know if it comes back to you. The the one area where I somewhat disagree with Portillo, and this is just the first sentence of his tweet. He says, pro players shouldn't be paid loads of money if they don't put effort on taking care of their image. I somewhat disagree with that because it's possible that a player puts forward no effort whatsoever to their brand, but still is absolutely insane and wins a bunch of championships. Then they should still be paid loads of money. A perfect example, in my opinion, would be Bjergsen. I I don't think Bjergsen has honestly put in put forward that much effort towards his brand over the years. His brand is just I win, and mind you, not as much recently, but once upon a time, right? Um, Bjergsen has never been one to tweet very often. I don't know if he's ever streamed all that much, right? And so he streamed argue, a lot back in the day. I, I think did he? Yeah, he he kind of. I guess I would I would agree with you in the sense that if a pro player is good and they win a lot and they're just a great player, they deserve to be paid a lot of money. But, yes. you know, in, I guess, I don't want to get too specific, but I guess in Bjergsen's case, like, he kind of already made his brand in the early parts of LCS. And, yeah, while maybe as of late, he hasn't been as active on, you know, social media in terms of tweeting and streaming and whatnot, like, his job's kind of already done, I think. Yeah. He's and, just and, trying and, to and, add, you know, trophies into the case. The the point is, I, so I, I want to be clear that I... I think that is a little bit uh, cherry-picking what Portillo is trying to say. His main point and the essence of this tweet is that players need to start working on their brands a lot more. And then if they do that, then they are far more valuable than just the skill that they bring to a team, which that is that is the essence of the tweet. And so I don't want to pretend like I'm ignoring what he means by this tweet. I just, the first sentence, um, I think, needs a little bit of, um, I don't know, caveat, perhaps. And... Yeah. So anyways, I guess what I would want to ask then, is there a world where a player uh, should be making the 6.6 .6 million or the 4.4 million that seven other players were making or, or even just millions anymore in the LCS? Is there a world where that should happen, JMT? Wait, so you're asking if pro players in the LCS should even be paid like a lot of money or yeah, if what's your question exactly? Yeah. If there's a world where a pro player should be made, let's say for the LCS, we'll just say, is there a world where a player should be making a million dollars anymore? Yeah. And honestly, you're a good player. I agree. I, I agree. But not even just if you're a good player. If you bring just a brand, you, I would argue that you don't even necessarily need to be that good of a player to be making absolute bank, right? L look, this is something that doesn't exist right now. 
But let's say for some reason Tyler won was on an LCS team. Is he going to compete as good as the other players? No, but he's going to bring clicks, and so he deserves to be paid. He'd probably make them the most interesting team in the league for right. sure. And the most, and he'd have the I'm most not, eyeballs on them. I'm not advocating for bringing Tyler one to the LCS. What I'm the point that I'm making is that Portillo is on the right track to say that we've for far too long looked at how good is a player. Oh, he's really good. Then he deserves to be paid, which is way too simple of a way to look at what is a far more complicated um, dilemma, I guess. One thing that I think is important to note and kind of interesting is I can't, don't, don't take this as a hundred percent fact, but I know double of has talked about stream, talked about on stream multiple times. Um, and sometimes like Lena has jumped into this conversation in terms of how LCS player contracts are, how they work in terms of their, you know, their involvement from the player towards the teams, like content involvement and streaming. Like if they have to reach a, num a certain number of you know, streamed hours every month or over the course of the year, because when TL, when the whole TL super team roster failed, this is when Doublelift was talking about this on stream. It was because in his contract with Team Liquid, he had a certain number of hours that he had to stream. And I don't know whether or not that was a weekly basis, a monthly basis, or a yearly basis. But he said that with Team Liquid, he had a required number of hours that he had to do uh, to stream on Twitch. And with that, there was also a bunch of other, you know, content obligations, you know, that Honda commercial and, you know, other kind of ad spots they've done in the past. So I wonder if that is something that is uh normal across the entirety of the lcs or if that is a team team by team specific thing because and i guess my other question would be you know is this an incentive in the contract or is this tied into your actual value of your contract so when we hear when we hear x player is making a million dollars well is it that the total value of their contract is a million dollars or is it that their base salary is 500k plus incentives and i guess Another question to even go further down the rabbit hole is, you know, what are incentive are incentive contracts even in the LCS whatsoever? Do players get extra pay if they make playoffs, if they if they make worlds, if they are the number one seed at worlds, if they win one championship, two sure championships? So I guess I'm pretty sure that exists. I think it does. I guess to tie this back to a to a more general point, but one that we necessarily haven't touched on this episode, contract information in League of Legends should be weighed should be made way more like publicly available than it is right now. You see that in traditional sports a ton in terms of how many years a contract is, what the total value of it is. You even get certain breakdowns of incentives that might be in that contract, any specific stipulations. All of this is public information. And with the LCS, pretty much the only info that we have with 100% certainty is how long a player's contract is because you have the, they have the global contract database. You can go see X player has a contract from this date to this date. But that's all we know. And the only stuff that we can know about about contracts is what we hear getting reported on. But, you know, it just it creates a world of, of just question marks. I hate that they're not made public. And I do it's too. Not just because I, it, one reason is because, yes, we're all curious, right? We want to know what the players are being paid, right? And if we're paying for their salaries by buying merchandise, for example, or going to Worlds or going to the LCS or whatever it is, I think it's kind of fair that people that are paying for their salaries know, right? Um, the other thing is, and this is the reason why I really hate it, is because I think players should know, hey, what is this guy making so that they have an idea of what they're actually worth. If like, uh, I'm just going to use an example of, of Blabber and Svenskeren when they were both on Cloud9. Um, Svenskeren was MVP 
right? One split and it's like, hey, I want to know how much he was paying when he was the MVP for, or be, how much he was being paid when he was the MVP. Then Blabber wins an MVP later. I think it's fair to say, hey, look, I want an MVP. I want to know how much that guy made after winning an MVP. Like, it's just fair for the players to know their actual value. And by hiding it, I, fi I find it's kind of sleazy from the, from the owner's perspective. Um, but again, maybe there's other reasons why it's good to keep it private. Because well, and and maybe this is the players would get flamed if oh you're making this much money and you can't even win or blah blah blah. Like there are reasons. I just don't think they're. Re I think making that stuff uh, public, there's more benefits than uh, than not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we don't exactly know. Like maybe all teams and you know owners and players have access to those numbers. They have a, a different contract database, maybe a more filled in contract database. Who knows? But from us being the public we don't know anything basically um i have one more point that i want to make um and then i'll let you take over jnt if you have more to add um oh, i'm losing my train of thought here don't worry um, i did it earlier it's okay yeah we're, we're both struggling I, I i get it i'll get it oh yes the incentives part um i don't think that contracts should be built uh, around incentives in a way that okay, here's your contract, and now you have to stream X amount of time over the year or the split. I think contracts should be based off of, this is your contract, and you get bonuses if you stream this amount, for example. And the reason why I say that is because... I mean, that's what incentives are. No, 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 it's not necessarily the same. Because what might happen is, let's say I sign a contract, but now in that contract, I have to stream, I don't know, once a oh, week, Oh, okay, for yeah, yeah. I think it I see what be, you're saying now. here's your contract, but you get a bonus if you stream that once per week or something like that, right? There's a difference there where one, you're absolutely held to streaming once a week and the other, it's your option. But if you do it, you get a bonus. You see I what guess I'm saying? I, I, I get what you're I, saying. I guess I should potentially rephrase what I was talking about earlier with Doublelift talking about his TL contracts. I don't think he explicitly said it was required or if it was an incentive where if you also stream X number of hours, you get a bonus so i guess yeah, i should say saying, in the one example i introduced you know it was it was quite open-ended it was not one way or the other yeah i hope it didn't come across as i was putting your words in your mouth that's not i wasn't trying to say that that's what you were saying i'm just making the point that um as the split goes on a player's uh mental state could completely change i mean most recently danny's the perfect example whereas like Obviously, things were going a lot better in spring than they were in summer for him. And so, actually, even better example, Doublelift this year. After they were winning, he was obviously way more down to do his VOD reviews of their games, right? And once they were kind of, you know, feeling a little down, then he wasn't really up to doing the, the VOD reviews anymore. And so, like, uh, a player's... Um, mental might shift as the year goes on and maybe it's just not good for a player's mental health to be held to the incentives that he's forced to that he signed at the start of the year do you understand what i'm saying that's why i think it's way better if the incentives are bonus rather than you're absolutely held to them in the contract is that am i making sense JNT? yeah no i i i agree as well but i guess yeah. i would also say that it's on the player's responsibility to ensure that whatever contract they sign it's something that they believe that they can fulfill and accomplish so Agreed. if there are stipulations in your contract that state you must stream x number of hours well that's something you either need to negotiate with and whether hopefully they have an agent or a lawyer who's working with them with regards to these things but you know if lcs pros are not doing that then that's pretty whack 
So I agree. However, I just think it's in the organization's benefit to make them bonuses instead of, you know, bonus incentives rather than something that you're absolutely held to because it's just better for the mental health of your player uh, altogether. So I think it's, I think if it's bonuses, I think it's a win-win from the organization and player side of things personally. Um, feel free to let me know in the comment section if I'm wrong. But I guess I, I would say in that scenario that would probably cause the base salaries of contracts to go down in general yep. and would, you know, incentivize, you know, more orgs to, or, you I, know, I guess it would incentivize the players to put more, you know, incentive stipulations if they believe that they can fulfill those, so. Yeah. No, I, I think you. I think you're right. The base salary would go lower, which is okay. But I think it's way better for the mental health of the players because who knows how you're going to feel about having to stream once a week six months from now rather than when you first signed the contract, right? Do you have anything else on this stuff, Jinter? Uh, I mean, I guess just to just. I mean, we've been talking about this for about half an hour, but to basically summarize our our, our thoughts here, team salary cap for the LPL and the system they've implemented, good. Uh, Player limited salaries, absolutely terrible. Please comment the reasons on why this is a good thing. Doesn't even have to be like you know a reason that they've said, a reason that you think. Like, I would love yeah. to. I would love to hear the potential benefits of limiting a player's salary. Please fire away. Or anything that we missed, for that matter. Maybe there's something else that we missed because there's probably a long, long, long discussion that could be had around this kind of stuff. I guess last thing before we do move on, JNT, are players overpaid in general? I mean, it's. It's always hard. I think I don't want to like turn this into a generalized conversation, but when a person signs a contract, you know that's that's an agreed upon value that both the team and the player think they're around. But if you sign a contract at a certain value and then you start performing lower than that expected value, obviously you're going to be overpaid. Like, so I would say probably pre the contract like reductions that happened earlier this year, I would probably say yes. Yeah, but I agree. Once again, none of this information is public. So if they're overpaid, well, we don't even know how much they're getting paid. I'm inclined with the exact same answer. I think I'm going to say no this year. But again, the, the contracts are not made public. But I would have said absolutely yes just a year ago or two years ago or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, you know, the contracts that we do have an understanding of, I guess to use Knight as an example for like his 6.6 .6 million figure that he reportedly was earning in like 2018, 2019, early 2020. Obviously, that was, you know, the best parts of his career when he was just like absolutely destroying people on top esports. Um, I guess in that case, you could probably say yes, like $6.6 .6 million. He was a consistent top player and top team in the league. He was one of the best players in the league, was taking top esports to Worlds on multiple occasions. So I would say yes, but maybe more recently, no, but he's probably not making as much money now. So who knows? I also, the other problem with the LPL, like, I, I have a much better opinion on the LCS players because I see how involved they are with, like, streaming or tweeting and, you know, growing their brand. Whereas, like, Knight, I have no idea what his social game is on, on like, whatever the Chinese Twitter is or whatever they have. Like, I don't freaking know. Like, Weibo, I so, guess. I think that's... Yeah, I'm, I'm so uninformed in, in that area. But um, with LCS players, I think they are not overpaid. Although maybe Travis comes out. Remember how Travis Gafford I mean, used to do certain those players videos? probably are, you know. Yeah. Do you remember how Travis Gafford used to come out with those videos? He wouldn't say how much players are making or how much teams are paying, but he would do it by like like which team is just spending teams, the most. How much teams had to pay for every win that they got? Do you remember that? Well, I thought I thought I I remember what you're talking about, but he also just did like a ranking of like these are the teams that spent the most on their rosters. You know, no oh, no dude. numbers actually given. 
I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, anyways, maybe we'll have a, a better opinion on it once, if, if he comes out with another video like that. But anyways, really interesting stuff, I would say. Um, we are going to get into the teams now because we're going into the last week of LCS and things have shifted quite a bit. Before we do, I need to remind you, hit the subscribe button if you're enjoying the content, guys. Hit the like button and, of course, leave a comment. Uh, JNT and I really want to know what you guys think this week about the LPL salaries, maybe about the LCS salaries if you have any inf information, and honestly, any region salaries because I think it's something that needs to be discussed far more often uh, and it's just nice to be able to do it for once because we haven't had this, these kinds of discussions in quite some time. JNT, the LCS last week, spring. Uh, I guess we're starting with Cloud9 because they're probably in first. They're, they're back on top, first. baby. Yeah, they, they are still technically tied for first. I mean, actually, technically they're not because they're equal in record with FlyQuest and FlyQuest holds a 1-0 to head-to-head -head record, but Ooh, we will... Second place, Cloud9. We will get the answers to these questions very soon. So technically in second place, but I don't know about you, but it feels like Cloud9 is the best team. And I would say they're the best team by not a small margin, not a big margin, but a margin. I would not say by, I would say by a small margin. And I, I guess I could understand the argument of why you would say a significant margin, perhaps, if, stop me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but is because JoJo is kind of coin flip, right? I mean, uh, because I'm... Because Quest is not looking uh, as good as we thought they did, I don't know, three weeks ago or whatever it was. So I, I still think that by the time playoffs comes around, I don't think Cloud9 is just going to cruise through uh all the top teams despite the fact that i think they are the favorite if that makes sense yeah and so that's why i guess i say a a slight uh favorite yeah, i guess um what's also kind of interesting is before the week started before the week started i messaged you and i said does it feel like whoever wins this game between eg and cloud nine will be the best team in the league regardless of FlyQuest? did you with that, agree with that statement at the time and yeah. do you still agree with it now I think so. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different knowing that like JoJo had COVID and apparently the whole team might now have COVID. So obviously, EG's performance this week wasn't the greatest. But before all of that info, probably, yeah, I thought that EG versus C9 was going to be the battle for first place because even in our previous episode, we were kind of talking about while FlyQuest was still in the clear-cut lead for the first seed, it did feel like all three of these teams were at a relatively similar level of competition. I just think that this weekend with the just the eye test and the performances from those three teams, it to me feels like Cloud9 is a step ahead of them. And I mean, we'll get into this EG versus C9 game a little bit. Um, MNS just kind of 1v9, I guess, um, on the Trendemir versus Jojo Pune. Obviously, who knows with Jojo's situation, him having COVID, not obviously feeling pretty terrible because he didn't play the next game the day after. So, however much of that you want to chalk up to Jojo being sick and not performing, I, I think it's a perfectly fair argument to make. But it doesn't take away from the fact that MNS is probably one of the best players in the league now from the performances that we've seen. He's basically, I don't want to say 1v9, but he's been the carry of Cloud9 in every single game that he's played, minus the first one where he was the reverse carry. So my issue with saying that he's one of the best players in the league is that he's played six games. I will agree with the idea that he's been one of the best players in the league in the last six games, right? In the last, what is, I guess that means three weeks. Like, that is a more fair statement, but, like, let, let's remind people, we were talking about FlyQuest going undefeated after the first three weeks of LCS, right? Like, so, like, things can change a lot once there's a much bigger sample size, but 
the essence of the of your take there is that he is playing like one of the best players in the league right now, and I think that's something we cannot ignore. He's looking really, really good. And, and you know what? To add on to that, I wouldn't even say the the game against Jojo Pion was as impressive as the game against uh, Harry. I thought his Syndra game that was like. Like, I don't want to take away from the Trindamir because, like, he engages and gets the lucky crit, right, and starts to snowball. I, I don't want to take away that he carried that game. I just think that the game with Syndra, where he just outplayed, what was he, against Akali? Yeah. Um, that, to me, there was no RNG crit. And he absolutely stomped on Harry and had Pryo for every objective where TL was constantly sitting there watching Cloud9 take these objectives because they had mid-Pryo permanently. And yeah, so Harry that... was legit sitting under his tower at level 3 the whole game. That game to me spoke to MS being an absolute monster more than the EG one, even though EG is the tougher opponent. I, I definitely can agree with you there. You know, his Cinder game was just like mechanically almost perfect. You know, dodging out on dodging out on ganks on two separate occasions, not having to blow any major summoner spells, and being a pressure sponge. I think that that's an aspect that I think is super underrated in terms of looking at a player and you know the entirety of the LCS, like. Being able to absorb ganks and not die to them is a really, really important. I, I think it's just super undervalued because it obviously gives you information of where the enemy jungler is. It is them committing resources, and resources are not necessarily just you know ultimates and summoner spells. It, it's time, and it's it's you know the efficiency that you lose on the map when the enemy team gains the knowledge of okay, we know exactly where the enemy jungler is. Now we can game plan completely against that in the next thirty seconds because. You know, maybe we get the chance to now go sidelines, and if, and that's the case. So when we go sideline into going into the enemy jungle and taking away his camps because we know that he skipped camps because he went for this gank mid. So I just think that it's a super underrated aspect, something that Jensen was doing really well on Cloud Nine early on in his career, like yes. the movement. Like everybody remembers that Jensen Victor game where he dodged literally like every single skill shot that was thrown towards him. Like it was the bodied by Jensen game. You know, that was like that kind of a game right there. I'm sure all Cloud9 fans, I know Azale said it during the cast as well, but all oh, Cloud9 fans, when they saw those dodges from, I think it was a Rakan, maybe it was something else. It was Rakan W, they, yeah. Yeah, when they saw those dodges, every every C9 fan went, Jensen. Like, for sure, had that like that was very Jensen-esque, and Azale also brought it up on the cast, because um, it was Jensen-esque, and, well, I mean, let's, let's remind people, Jensen is historically either Cloud9's best mid laner that they've ever had, or one of, at the very least. Um, so that is quite the compliment for a guy that's only played six games, right? You're already and being compared to Cloud9's historically best mid laner. You just mentioned the C9 mid laners. Like, the C9 mid laners are pretty insane. I, Jensen, Niski, Perks. Perks, and then yeah. I guess Fudge, back to Jensen, and now oh, yeah. Diplex, MS. Yeah. And Diplex wasn't even that terrible, and he's the worst C9 mid laner ever. Diplex hit rank one today. I, I saw heard. that. I, like, yeah. It's a little bit unfortunate for Diplex because maybe if MNS isn't as good as he's been, he was probably like going to potentially be able to fit back into the team in the offseason or maybe even playoffs if they thought that his improvement in the academy scene and him hitting rank one was any notion that he's like improved and should be given another chance. So unfortunately, MNS shitting on the entire league is kind of like shitting on Diplex kind of. Yeah, I, I just think it's healthy when you have two guys fighting for a spot that are both hungry for it, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's good to see Diplex gaining, getting rank one still, dis despite getting benched. He's fighting back for his spot. MNS is clearly performing well, so he's obviously fighting for his, and I just think that's 
Cloud9 has a really good thing going for them where they have uh, apparently two good mid laners. Obviously, MS looking much better uh, on stage than Diplex was. You you mentioned how MS is kind of 1v9ing these games. I, it kind of reminded me a little bit that, like, this whole split, I think that Cloud9, this is so cheesy, but it really has been like a theme for performance from my view of things. I think their bot lane has been great. Uh, at the start of the split, Fudge was, I mean, he was probably the best player through through week one. He had the best, uh, m maybe right behind Prince after week two and three. Like yeah. Fudge was probably an early um, MVP candidate, even though it was obviously Prince at the time. Like there's all been guys that have had their time. Even Blabber's been great pretty much the whole split. I feel like I disagree with your statement about Eminez being 1v9, whereas throughout the whole split, we've just seen all the Cloud9 members kind of shine in their own way at their own time. Yeah, it, it does feel like MNS is taking a little bit away from, from the other players on Cloud9 because, I mean, I do agree with you. You know, I, you know, he hasn't been 1v9 per se, but he seems to be the guy that has been shining the most on the team. But him shining the most shouldn't take away from the rest of the players because the rest of the players are probably all top of their position anyways. Maybe Zven might be the only exception there, but... I mean, it'd be pretty hard to put any of Cloud9's members lower than like. I mean, if I was all if I was pro. voting right now, they'd all be on the All Pro team. Don't know which ones yeah. and where they exactly would be, but all all five players would probably be on the All Pro team. You're probably right. And there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Last week, someone left a comment and they said, "Oh God, I wish I, I should have written it down." They said something along the lines of like, "I'm surprised that Ber Berserker isn't rated as high as Prince or something like that." And that that made me think. Uh, I think his name was Mike. So shout out to Mike. Um, that made me realize that like, it's not to me, it's not even that print or that Prince is like miles ahead of Berserker. It's that the FlyQuest wins were kind of on the back of, of, of Prince. Right. And don't get me wrong. Speak and impact are playing fine. Everyone's playing fine on FlyQuest when they were winning, but like it was hard carried games by Prince for the most part. Whereas like cloud nine is more evenly split. I would say as far as like, the carry performances and so even if you think that berserker is right behind prince this hasn't exactly been the split for berserker to showcase it and so i think when it comes to mvp discussions even if you think that berserker is as good or just behind prince i don't think he's anywhere near as far as like the mvp voting goes for example yeah and i think I think that Berserker is probably still on the same, like he's on a similar level to Prince. Maybe Prince is a little bit better. I mean, I don't think that you can definitively say one way or the other, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's just been a bit of a byproduct of the way that both teams are functioning. You mentioned when FlyQuest was shitting on everybody, the first three weeks of the season, their performance has dropped a little bit as of late, but it was off the back of Prince. Like this guy was straight up 1v9 and it was very apparent that FlyQuest's game plan was, hey, impact go weak side gamer like you like you normally do vikla play something that can skirmish mid and guess what we're going bottom lane and you know cloud9 yeah. kind of did the opposite through the first weeks of the season when they were going really on to the fudge train with you know when Cassante was super broken and then shifting him off to like stuff like the jace and the jacks in like weeks four and five so we saw cloud9 going you know primarily focusing on the top side with like primarily focusing on the bottom side and I think it's a similar situation to what we were just talking about with MNS. Like, it just feels like Prince is shining a bit more than Berserker, but I think they're both as, as good as each other. Like, Berserker was doing what Prince was doing last year. You know, we've already seen that from Berserker. I, I don't think that anybody's doubting.
Berserker's carry potential or his ability to 1v9. It's just that Cloud9 currently is winning through other ways. It's either through Fudge or through MNS or sometimes even Blabber. Which is a big plus for Cloud9, right? When you look mm -hmm. at it that way. Um, I think we should transition over to FlyQuest. Are, are they next, by the way? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a good time to transition over to FlyQuest since we are talking a little bit about Prince. And honestly, as much as I still think Prince is my front runner for MVP going into the last week, we have to ad uh, we have to admit that Prince in the last couple of weeks has not looked nearly as good as Prince did the first, I don't know, four or five or whatever it was. Um, I think he had the op opportunity to run away with the MVP race. And I'm not so sure anymore because he has had some uh, some whoopsies, if you will, I guess. Yeah, I so, guess. I don't know. What do you think about the performance of Prince as of late? I mean, on, on the MVP conversation, you obviously didn't agree with what I said. So I, I will call this a hot take here. But I, but I would like to I would like to firmly put it into the ether here. Okay. If MNS, if C9 goes 3-0 in Super Week, and MNS uh -huh. plays like he's been playing uh -huh. since he came into the league, and Prince is average in the last week of uh -huh. LCS, and Cloud9 is first place, I think MNS should win MVP. Yeah, I totally disagree. Do you, do you have more to say, or should I talk? I mean, obviously, I think I know your main point is going to be the number of games being played. And while I think it's a valid point, I would also say that being the primary carry on a team, and if they were to go 3-0, cementing a like a, a nine-game win streak to end the season with you playing like only 10 games the whole split. Game win streak. They're, they're on a five oh, okay. right now, so it would be an eight. But okay, so he'd be, he'd, be nine, he'd be nine and one in the 10 games since he subbed in. I don't know. I, yeah. I think MNS has a has an has a fair shot to win it. I don't know if he'd get it, but I think he'd have a fair shot to win it. So the reason why to me it would still absolutely be Prince is because if you're saying MNS comes in, he had the one bad game his first game, right, against Golden Guardians, and then we're saying from there eight good ones. Why couldn't we just say that to start the split, Prince was he was like the MVP for the first like he could have gotten the player of the week award in every all three first weeks, in my opinion. Um and then continued even into the super week. That was when they picked up their first loss, but still looked pretty damn good. And so then you're saying that he had nine MVP games, and then you're saying he's averaged the last week and maybe the last couple of weeks as well. That still to me is a, as a net plus over MNS who didn't even play the first nine games. So yeah, to me, I just think that it's still Prince um, from that perspective. And I think even though MNS has looked great, in the six games that he's played, I think you really, really, really have to stand out uh, to win the MB MVP playing only half the games. And I've, considering one of them that he didn't look so good in as well. Yeah, I know. And I would say that that's fair. I mean, my 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 whole scenario and world here requires Cloud9 to go 3-0, MNS to 1v9, and it requires FlyQuest to be average. And, you know, yeah. I, I think the that, that scenario is not the most likely one that will play out because, you know, I... I, I I guess I'm not trying to take anything away from Prince here because it. I understand what you're saying. Where it's more just that you know it's a positive on Prince than a negative to MNS. But you know I, I think I'm just reversing the role here. I guess so. I'm not trying yeah, to take everyone, anything away from Prince, but he's flame been JMT, flame him, flame him, flame him away. <laughs> Do it. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the instead of the MVP stuff because we still got a week for that to to really have a decision there to make. Let's talk about FlyQuests. Uh, we'll call them struggles as of late. Obviously, they're still, what are they, 12 and 3? They're 12 and 3. They're, they're, they're like technically first place still. Yeah, they're still 4 and 2 over their last six, which is, I think, when Ayla went in. But their struggles, I, I think part of it 
So I think there's a chance that Ayla's being scapegoated here. But I will say that I do notice that Ayla hasn't exactly looked all that great as of late. Do you think I'm being not? Do you think someone who says Ayla needs to be switched out is just scapegoating, or is are they oversimplifying the issue? Are there other issues in your eyes around FlyQuest? I definitely think I would say that they're oversimplifying the issue. I think Ayla, I in terms of his individual performances when compared to Winsome from the first four weeks of the season to now, Winsome has been the better player, and. Mm-hmm. If, if the answer to that question is what I just said, Winsome has been the better player, well, then you have to go back and you have to look at the way that FlyQuest was playing the game. And I alluded to this a little bit in our Cloud9 segment, but for the first four weeks of the season, FlyQuest was pretty much explain, playing exclusively to the bot side of the map um, in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, obviously you can gank top and gank other lanes during games, but for the most part, their time and efforts were primarily focused on bot lane. And I think we've seen a bit of a shift away from that in the last couple of weeks when it comes to FlyQuest, it does feel to me that their gameplay is getting a little bit more vanilla than what they initially started with. And I think that Spika in the first weeks of the season was doing a lot more in terms of his game impact and his, his map impact in the beginning of the season than we've seen as of late. So to me, I, I can't peg all of FlyQuest's problem on the support position and the change that they made because I just think that from an entire team perspective, FlyQuest just aren't as good as they've been. And I think part of that is just because, you know, maybe that's because they shifted their game plan away from just saying, hey, Prince, go carry the game. But, you know, like I said, FlyQuest seems to be getting a little vanilla for me. Yeah, for, for me, so I agree that if you're, if the, the take is Ayla's got to go, I think that is oversimplified. Because um, I do think there is more reasons. Mainly, I just think there's um, poor execution on some of their fights. I think they're setting up fine for fights. I think there's been a few issues of who they're targeting or not respecting what cooldowns the other team has, but I think their setups have been mostly fine. It seems to me like a lot of the fights that they're losing, they're getting priority and they're getting vision and they're fighting in the corridors that they want to fight in. But like uh, Ayla just, for example, engages into the Galio who still has taunt, for example, when he could go for the AD carry, things like that. Um, where I'm a little bit like, I don't mind how they set up. It's just the execution of the fight doesn't seem to be going their way. Or Impact, when he came in on the Scion alt the one time, I didn't like who he targeted. I thought that, I don't even remember who it was. I just remember that whoever he targeted was kind of already dead and he could have hit someone else with the Scion alt. So just some little tiny things, which gives me a lot of hope still for FlyQuest because I still think most of the players have been playing uh, pretty darn good from a macro sense, just a, some small little micro issues. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we go back into playoffs and FlyQuest is still a contender for, for the championship. Like, I don't think anyone is taking away contender uh, contention. Is that the right word? I don't know what the right word is uh, from them. Yeah, I, I think this is still, they're still firmly in the top two. You know, they are tied with Cloud9 standing as wise. I mean, I, I don't think EG, I mean, I think EG potentially had the chance to overtake them, but with the current situation on EG, with JoJo being out, the whole team having COVID, I'm going to assume affected their performance and maybe will affect their performance in the Super Week. So with yeah. the EG situation, I think that FlyQuest is kind of cemented in the top two. That can change okay. in the last week. We don't know, but, you know, I, I'm just agreeing with you in the sense that I don't think that we should, you know, consider FlyQuest, you know, below where they are like they're still a very strong yeah. team yes they maybe aren't as good as they were to start the split and like you said you can attribute those to just maybe the small mistakes that they're making in some of these fights yeah um maybe a good time to hop over to eg then 
Because I think I still would put EG slightly ahead of FlyQuest. Is that a bad take, JNT? I guess my question would be why and how? Because I think their execution in team fights is much better. I think that's where they excel, honestly. Um, I would look, we can't just ignore the fact that JoJo has been hella coin flip this year, right? And I know there's the, well, he was sick this past weekend, but I agree with Zven. Even Zven said it on stream like, yeah, he was sick this weekend. But he was running it down a lot of the games before he got sick. So I'm not completely ignoring that. But I do think overall, I think that they are still better when it comes, especially in jungle, nothing against Spika. I still think Inspired is the best player in this league. And that kind of goes back to the conversation that we were having with Berserker and Prince earlier. The best player in the league doesn't necessarily get the MVP because they don't necessarily get that much opportunity to shine as much as in this particular meta, a bot laner would. I thought Inspired looked really good before this weekend, and then his Poppy looked amazing again. I think he is their clutch factor, and I still think Vulcan is the best support in the league. For me, having what I think is the best jungler and the best support in the league, I think is so, so valuable, even if I put Blabber right, right behind Inspired. So your, 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 your rankings, you would say, is C91, EG2, FlyQuest3. Correct. And then um, I would have C91, have FlyQuest2, EG3. Yeah, and I think the difference is you have like a pretty significant gap in between C9 and EG as far as skill. Um, I don't know I mean, if I have a significant gap. I would say that... I thought at the start of the C9 thing, you said that like it's not really close for anyone to catch Cloud9. I said or, that... No, I what, what, I, said. what I said was that I was, talk, I was comparing Cloud9 and FlyQuest, and I said Cloud9 isn't like, you know, extremely ahead of them, and they're not just ahead of them by a little bit. I think they're right in the middle, like... Okay. I wouldn't say there. I wouldn't. What I would say is, I would have EG and FlyQuest on a pretty similar level, and they're both a decent chunk behind Cloud9, but not not a major chunk, not a little chunk, but a decent chunk. I understand. Okay, and then I would just give the slight edge to EG um, over FlyQuest. If I was making a tier yeah. list, Cloud9 would be S, Fly and EG would be A, if, if that puts it into perspective a bit. But all three of those teams, I think we can still agree, would beat any of each other at any time. Would you say? Or could, rather? Yeah. Or no? Mm. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Um, yeah, I don't, what do you think about my take as far as uh, Inspired and Vulcan? Agree, disagree? I or... agree. I, I think... I mean... Yeah, I, I think Blabber is close, close behind Inspired. And, you know, in terms of support, I would say Vulcan is the definitive best support in the league. I don't think there's anybody that's probably close to him. I'm trying to even think of anybody who I would put there because I don't think it would be who he, I don't think it would be, um, I mean, Zven maybe, but I don't think you can put who he, I don't think you can put Ayla or Winsome. I mean, maybe you could put Winsome if, Win, like if Winsome subbed in Super Week, maybe, but, yeah. you know, it's probably Vulcan 1, Zven 2, and then, yeah. then a sizable gap because. So, okay, before we move on, I guess, um, we should talk about is Jojo holding this team back because we mentioned he's coin flipped. He's clearly costing them some of their games. Is he holding them back? JNT? I can start with this one. If you want me to, I mean, yeah, that he is. Yeah, I agree. He is absolutely, but uh, it, it's hard to say because you know, it, to me, it just seems that Jojo is like super inconsistent. I mean, it's clear as day that this guy, when he's on, he's on. And he, he, he is one of the best, he's one of the best laning mid laners in the league. And he's got like a really wide champion pool, but he does have some really int moments in some of these games that can just put EG on the bat, 
back foot from like minute 10 onwards. Like we've, we've seen tons of times this, this year where Jojo is dying early and often within the laning phase, whether that's one V one or just, Hey, gank Jojo PM. It's so funny because my answer was yes, that he's holding them back sometimes, but just not this past week, but the week before he was player of the week. And so we saw that he can 1v9 and then we know that going into playoffs like there's another chance that he's absolutely popping off again and so it's like has he held them back so far this split yes but i won't be surprised if he's absolutely popping off in playoffs again so it's like it's really it's a really weird thing to say you know yeah it's one of those situations i've kind of used it in the past but like when joe like jojo when he's on he's at a 10 out of 10 but when he's off he's at like a 4 out of 10 and it's the consistency is just not there whatsoever. So you're either going to hit that really high, high or that really low, low. And, you know, he doesn't have that just prolonged consistency that we can see out of, you know, a player like Bjergsen. Well, Bjergsen's definitely not, you know, the best mid laner in the league and hasn't really been for the last number of years now, but he is always pretty much going to be sitting at an eight out of not eight or nine out of 10 in terms of just general performance. Hmm. Whereas Jojo's sure. like, he can be the best, like in, a, in any given game, he'll be the best player in the game or he'll be one of the worst players in the game. Yeah, it feels like there's still so much to learn from EG. And maybe a super week that has three games will help us learn a little bit more about them. Because it, it is difficult to put your finger on any team that can perform so good one second and then so poorly the next. But um, Golden Guardians, uh, maybe a little stumble since the seven-game win streak? Yeah. I still think, look, I, I, I think, okay, I think that they are just solidly our fourth best team, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that a fourth place team is still a contender. And so I don't think that that has necessarily changed. Um, I don't think my take on them has changed whatsoever, despite the little stumble this past weekend. Are they a contender? Yes. Are they a contender as much as Cloud9, EG, or FlyQuest? No. And that's where I got them still. So that hasn't changed, despite the fact that they didn't exactly look so clean this weekend against uh, 100 Thieves or, uh, was it Immortals? Who did they play? They played 100T and TSM. Oh. Oh, yeah, it was TSM. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in a similar boat here with Golden Guardians as you. I would put them as the definitive fourth team. I think in my mind, I would like to put Team Liquid there, but they unfortunately just lose too many games for me to do that because <laughs> I think if, if in a world where I'm rating all of these rosters on like their potential, I think Team Liquid is actually the fourth best team. Like, Ooh, interesting. But Unfortunately, like Jojo Pune, they just lack the consistency to do that over the course of an entire game. We'll see really great moments. I don't want to get talk be talking about Team Liquid here, but so I'll, I'll shift back to Golden Guardians right now. But what I would say is I hold my same opinion as I did when we go last week. Like you, they aren't as good as the top three, but they are still a contender. They're just sitting there. But I would also say that I'm still lower on this team than the majority of uh, the community. Um, you're Sven, you're the, you're, you're a hater, yeah, like that, you that, said. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that, man, this, first of all, who he had a absolutely abysmal game against 100 Thieves. Like, he probably solo lost them that game, just getting picked off uh, multiple times during the game. And, you know, it, it's hard to have a ton of game impact as a champion like Soraka, but your impact basically turns to nothing when you're dead. I know you can say that, whatever, but the whole point of Soraka is you need to be alive long enough to prov be providing value to heal your teammates. And when you're the person who's dead to start every single fighter, you're not there for the objective setup. It it's just super, super bad. So, 
The, um, the only thing, so you, you're right, but the only thing I'll say is that, like, has he had that many int games this this year? Like, I, I, I don't think, think he's had one. like is there others. I mean, he hasn't had int games per se, but I just don't think that he's been looking that great. And this weekend in specific, I thought that that Soraka, like his, him, his, that Soraka game was the reason they lost the game against Hunter T. Yeah, I think that's fair criticism because he was caught quite a bit. But I would just say that he's been such an asset to them that like one game doesn't uh, make me lose faith in a player. Because if it did, then you could argue that we should have lost faith, faith in MS when they played against Golden Gardens, right? In his first game. So, yeah, it's, no, like, it's one game, right? So you don't. Hmm. But yeah, I, I do agree where you're coming. or I do see where you're coming from. Yeah. It just feels uh, like with the with the sort of lack of like the, the middle ground in the LCS right now, I mean, I guess, I mean, there there is a middle ground, but there's not like a traditional middle ground. Like there's the best teams and there's those other teams in playoffs. Then there's all the dog shit teams. I feel like there's those top teams that are in playoffs. Then there's like all these other teams that are trying to get into playoffs. And then there's the bad teams. So Golden Guardians for me right now is the best of that bunch. But I don't know if they have the potential as the teams below them. Because I think that a... Firing on all cylinders, Team Liquid and 100 Thieves is better than this team. But Golden Guardians has, you know, been consistently the better team over the course of the split so far. So it's hard to just ignore that and say, oh, well, just because I think that just because I think that the ceilings of TL and 100 Thieves are higher than Golden Guardians that I'm going to automatically put them in front. I can't do that right now. But Yeah. And right now, Golden Guardians is nine and six. Uh, they're sitting in fourth place pretty comfortably. Like 100 Thieves, CLG, and TSM is behind them all with seven wins. So they have two wins on those teams. So they probably lock playoffs, most likely. Mm. And I, although it's unlikely, I do want to point out that it is possible to catch EG. They're only one game behind EG. And the Golden Guardians are playing CLG, which I think they should win. Dignitas, I think they should win. And FlyQuest, who we don't really know much what to think about them right now. Like, FlyQuest has stumbled. Do they stumble enough to lose to Golden Guardians? I, I mean, it's so. winnable for Golden Guardians, I would say. Right, with, that's the With point, the FlyQuest right? so performances. The, the point that I wanted to put out is exactly that, that they could actually surpass EG if EG does, in fact, stumble. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have to wait and see if that happens. Next up, we got 100 Thieves, who a little bit of a recovery, J&T. Um, how much have they recovered? <laughs> I mean, they recovered in the standings, which is the most important part because Correct. them yeah. getting them. We'll get to some of the other teams later, but them getting 2-0 and CLG going 0-2 and TSM going 1-1 significantly and also Team Liquid going 1-1 significantly improves this team's chances of making playoffs. Um, they are sitting they're at the 7-8 and eight clump right now with both TSM and CLG. Um and they obviously have a really important game coming up in the Super Week against TSM, which will likely be very important for playoff positioning for that uh, fifth seed. So, honestly, 100 Thieves should be, like, thanking the Lords that they got that 2-0 this week because it kind of secures their, their, their spot in theory. It's so interesting for me to just look at last week, the conversation that we had about them, where we were worried, like, are they going to make playoffs? And, like, we think so, but they're on the outside looking in. And then not only did they win their games but they looked pretty darn clean this weekend doing it the other thing we talked about last week was is it too late for them to change their play style and we pretty much said it might be too late but they have no choice and well it didn't look like it was too late because closer was on a playmaker and absolutely styling on the lease in this weekend that was a much much better look from 100 thieves so i think 100 thieves fans can cope a little bit uh maybe not the greatest opponents i mean obviously golden guardians a good opponent to beat this this is not as much this is where i will push back a little bit because okay. while i do think that you know 
it's obviously good for 100 Thieves that they got the 2-0 and 1-2 games. I, I'm not... You're a Golden Guardians hater, though, right? So yeah, but... That is impressive. But, I, no, I don't even think that. I, I mean, well, I guess I do think that, but I just think Golden Guardians into them the game. And Fair enough. Yeah, it's okay. like Huhi getting caught, you know, three times. Gory trying to save Huhi on that other one time that he got caught. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that mid-play where Huhi got caught died when he had absolutely zero pressure on the entire map to walk into Bot River. He walked into Bot River when his mid laner was sitting under his tower. The enemy team was hitting his bot tower and his own AD carry was hitting the opponent's top tower in Africa on the other side of the map. And this guy thought that he could walk up in the river to clear vision, like absolutely trolling. Gory does the LCS special trying to trying to save a dead man walking, got himself killed. Bjergsen took like two plates off that, gave 100 these river set up for the next drag. Like, I don't know. That game was just complete int, but I don't want to take away from what 100 Thieves did because when I always talk about a team inting it, well, it's on that other team to punish those teams' mistakes. Mistake. And I think yeah. that's, you know, while it was a really clean game out of 100 Thieves, I just think that my opinion of it slightly decreases because it was Golden Guardians, the one doing the inting. But against that game against Dignitas, pretty freaking clean game, to be honest, from start to finish. But it is Dignitas, right? Yes. And so, anyways, all that said, I completely agree that I think your take is 100% fair, regardless of who the team was that they played against. Yes, it was Golden Guardians, who we think is our fourth best team. They didn't play like our fourth best team that game, and therefore, we can't just ignore that. I think that's a really, really fair point there, and I agree with you. Their, their remaining games are TSM, EG, IMT, and so now that they're tied for a playoff spot, and they have two games in Immortals and TSM that I would say are very winnable, I would say that they should make playoffs here. And if they don't, I think it's very disappointing. Like last week, it was like, if they don't make playoffs, I could kind of see it. But this week, it's if they don't make playoffs, that's definitely a disappointment. Yeah, I guess because go going into this week, you know, it was th that week prior that it just happened. It was a zero two from 100 Thieves. Golden Guardians was still looking pretty good. So I think both of us, you know, we assumed that Golden Guardians was going to win that game. And while we also assumed that they were going to beat Dignitas, them getting that win over Golden Guardians just it just pushes them pretty much one extra win to where the majority of people thought they were going to be. And that win against Golden Guardians is probably going to be the reason why they make playoffs because, as you mentioned, their schedule, they got two pretty easy games against TSM and Immortals. TSM, maybe not an easy game, just in terms of you know looking at the standings. But I think you know it's always important to talk about like the trajectory of teams, what we're seeing. It's looking good for 100T right now. Yeah, I do want to go back, just before we close out this team, I want to go back go to one it. of your initial points that you made. And probably the reason why 100 Thieves is looking so good is closer. Um, I know I we have really haven't talked about 100 Thieves too much this year, pretty much after since their, their losing streak started. But one of the reasons why I think that losing streak happened, and I remember even talking about this at one point, was just the way that closer was functioning as the jungler from 100 Thieves is it wasn't about him. It was about him helping other laners. And it feels like they just completely reversed that play style this week where they went the complete opposite and decided to put the game in closer's hands and have the laners play for the jungler, which, you know, obviously is not always a strategy that you can do 100% of the time because it's going to be dependent on the draft, dependent on the meta, depending on the flow of the game. But it just felt like the game plan from 100 Thieves this week was really, really good to focus around closer. And we did talk about them making a coaching change last week. How much of that has to do with anything, we're not exactly sure, but it probably has something to do with it. So if I'm 100 Thieves, keep this keep this train going, keep this direction going, keep this game plan going. This is what I like to see. 
Yeah, and last thing I'll add on is that even though Closer was the one that was popping off by with all these ganks, you have to give credit to the solo lanes for for setting up the lanes. And per, like Bjergsen had his lane set up perfect for a gank. Tenacity, same thing. So you got to give credit to everyone when they're making ganks work like that. So <laughs> much better look from 100T. We think they're going to make playoffs, and hopefully we don't jinx them. Yeah. TSM, downward trending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, uh, TSM. Let's start with wild turtle he's been in for a couple of weeks now versus neo do you think the great the tri uh, what am i saying do you think the swap was an upgrade or a downgrade or about even i think it's about even i mean it's how many games does turtle play now he's played four games i want to say four but yeah, maybe I... it's three weeks i don't know no I think I, it's just two weeks yeah four games i think it's just been in two weeks but i guess i guess i would say there's been no noticeable difference i, I don't think they've been winning you know, more bot lane or losing more bot lane. I would say it's pretty equal. I disagree. I think their laning phase looked a lot better. Mind you, that was last week when they played the Ezreal Karma. Um, and even though Turtle actually had a couple of ints this weekend, I find him far more active in making things happen, uh, which this kind of goes to, yes, he's going to look bad a lot of the times, but I don't think you want a player that's just going to sit back and chill like Neo kind of seemed to be doing most of the year. I think that Turtle is, yes, going to look bad sometimes, but still much better for your team to try to make things happen rather than just sit back and wait, which is a TSM classic, right? So I, I do agree with though, that I would point. Say as far as skill level, I wouldn't say all that significant of a buff. I just like TSM's chances of making things happen and winning with Wild Turtle just a little bit more. Uh, I definitely, I think I, I think I agree with that. Um, mainly because just how we were talking about with 100 Thieves, like TSM has kind of felt like a team that hasn't doesn't really have like that much of a game plan. So I think if Wild Turtle gives you that opportunity to play around and play through bot lane, and that's something that you can't do with Neo, who may be more consistent, doesn't have you know super int moments, but he doesn't have that carry potential, and a player like Turtle does, that's just going to be a net positive. It just gives you that one extra element to your game that another team has to be concerned about because it does seem that since Turtle's been in, they are picking these very strong laning duos. A lot of karma being played in the bot lane paired with both Ezreal and Caitlyn for Wild Turtle. So it, 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 I guess the game plan shift a little bit more for TSM with the, the bot lane focus is good. However, they should have fucking lost that game against Immortals, man. Like this team should have went 0-2. They were lucky to scrape out that 1-1. Yeah, fair. That is definitely fair. And, and I again, I need to be clear. I'm not ignoring that Wild Turtle had some ints this weekend. The one time he just started trading with Licorice on Scion and forced himself to use his own Zaya ulti. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, there are some crazy-ass plays. Or even there was the other aggressive play where he ended up living. I think that was against Immortals where he, like, flashed in on the Caitlyn or something. Or maybe it was Gale Force. And I don't remember exactly what the play was, but he could have died. But again, he's going for the play. He recognized that he needed to try to kill someone, and so he went for it. And I, I think it went in his favor, if I remember right. But yeah, there's definitely some ints, but I think a slight upgrade. Overall, though, what are you thinking about TSM? Uh, 100 Thieves, Dignitas, and FlyQuest is the remaining schedule. Um, yeah, they don't... I'm just going to say it. I, I, I think there's a chance they owe three. What do you think? You think that they owe three? I mean, yeah. I don't think but they're they gonna lose. lose. To dig. I, I don't think they can lose to dig. I mean, I'm not gonna predict that they're losing to dig. I don't got the guts, but I could see it. I could see them o threeing. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know they don't have. They obviously have a difficult schedule going up against both 100 Thieves and FlyQuest. However, if you look at some of the other teams that are 
you know, in a similar situation that are fighting for playoffs, they have a more favorable schedule than some of the others. I mean, we'll get to those teams later, but, you know, CLG, for example, they have Golden Guardians, Team Liquid, and Cloud9. And with TSM, CLG, 100 Thieves, and TL all fighting for the two remaining playoff spots, I think we sort of covered that we think 100 Thieves is going to get that other one, but... I think TSM is actually going to get that last playoff spot. I think they're going to squeak in there. It probably will result in some tiebreakers, potentially. I'm trying to think of the head-to-head record between TSM and Team Liquid because... I know it. I got it right here. If it's TSM one and one... is 2-0. TSM is 2-0 versus TL. Okay, though, so I guess never mind. In my scenario, then, TSM gets in a six-seed playoffs. So, they're making playoffs. You heard it here first. Okay, so let's go over to CLG, then, because it sounds like you don't think they're making it. I mean, uh, I just alluded to their to schedule. This weekend. <laughs> yeah, despite the fact that they lost to Dignitas, they are playing Golden Guardians, Team Liquid, and Cloud9 in their in their Super Week, which is pretty damn hard because the easiest game is Team Liquid. And, you know, maybe it's my Team Liquid bias, inner, my inner TL bias here, but I don't know. I just I think that TL has so much more potential than what they're doing. Yeah, no, I think most people agree with you when it comes to TL. Like, the thing is, we've seen, TL has just thrown so many leads, but we're not, most people have recognized that TL is getting those leads. And so there's definitely some credit you have to give to them, even if they are so incredibly bad at closing out the games. They're clearly not just pure garbage, right? Getting mm-hmm. leads is something that's really valuable. So, and I guess the other thing I'll say is that if I think that TSM could go 03, then I definitely think that CLG can go 03 going up yeah. against Golden Guardians, TL, and C9, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one little thing, a little bit of cope that I'll give to Palafox this weekend was his Gragas was so close to having some really nice plays, uh, but he just missed a couple of, of ultis that like just barely didn't knock people in the right direction, which I think could have swung the game more in their direction, uh, but he didn't. He didn't land those ulties the way he wanted to, even though close only counts in horseshoes hand grenades, right? So that was the only thing that I thought kind of looked good out of him this weekend was Palafox almost had good Gragas ults, which is Cope AF. Yeah, I think Palafox is the only reason to have any good things to take away from CLG this weekend because Palafox did have a pretty good weekend. But I mean, you want to start with the dig game first or talk about the EG game? I'm fine either way. I kind of just want to, well, we can start with wherever you want. You well, go ahead, but I do want to ask you before you go, I just want to ask your thoughts on Aurelian Soul. So uh, if they should be continuing to play that and if you like it, but go ahead and do do your piece. I just, well, first of all, I'll get the, I'll get my, my big thing out the way. That CLG draft versus Evil Genius might have been the worst thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Holy fuck. That was the worst shit I've ever up. seen. I don't even remember. Dude, it was like, it. they... Dude, their whole draft was set up to last pick Vi into a poppy. Like, and you mentioned, you mentioned the poppy when we were talking about evil geniuses, but like, CLG was begging EG to pick poppy in that draft. Like, their first four champ, they, I don't remember exactly how it went, but their first four champs were, uh, their first three, sorry, were Gragas, Callista, Nautilus. They then went blind pick Cassante, which EG responded with Scion, which is like, okay. You hate Cassante. You Dude, hate it. That fucking champ is so bad. Stop blind picking it. I swear to God. If you blind pick Cassante, enemy team is always going to pick Scion or Cho'Gath, and you're never going to win. Or the enemy team is going to pick Jax or Fiora, and you're always, or sorry, you're always going to lose. And if enemy team picks Jax or Fiora, you're always going to lose. Like, ugh. And then, they, like I said, they, this whole draft was set up to last pick Vi into Poppy? Are you kidding me right now? Like, did you see what Poppy W was doing this game? Like, it was insane. Yeah, I mean, let's first of all, Inspired's Poppy, so it you know maybe great. we give a break there because he's awesome. Nah, but he just he just is, pressed W and won them the game. Like, 
you could also argue that the game was over in laning phase. EG's bottom lane was absolutely stomping them. So maybe irrelevant the rest of the draft when everything was kind of lost in the bottom lane. Maybe I'm not doing complete justice to the rest of the game, but like EG's bottom lane was just straight up winning them the game straight up with uh, the Ash Varus into the Callista Nautilus. Yeah, but I mean, but even after that, like contracts went, he spent like four minutes of his time in the first eight minutes of the game, like sitting around bot lane trying to save it. Like, sorry, bro. Like you got to accept sometimes it's just a lost cause and you got to go start winning other parts of the map. And it was Both just junglers were sitting down there. Here, yeah. So here's why I think contracts was down there. I think he knew if he's not there, they're getting dove bot, which with a poppy is really, really easy to do against Callista, right? So I actually didn't mind that Contracts was living there, but that's the bot lane was being stomped. And so Contracts needs to be there to make sure Poppy doesn't dive. But then Poppy's also hanging out saying like, hey, you know what? If both junglers are doing nothing, this is okay because my bot lane is still pushing like crazy and getting plates. So it's a net plus. And so that's why I think you had both junglers just sitting in the bot lane, yeah. hanging out with them. Well, while I agree with the logic, I think there's also, it. it I don't know. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that because... When a bot is like when when a lane is so far behind, like it just reaches a certain point where no matter how much you try and intervene with that lane, it's not going to change the outcome of that lane. And I 100% understand that you need to be sitting bot to defend from inspired ganks and you know dives because if that happens, you're going to get completely shit on. But you know it reaches that certain point where no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to change the outcome just because of how much pressure the enemy lane has and the freedom that inspires has to do. So I just thought that he was just going to recognize that and just piece the fuck out and try to go topside to, to save something on the other side of the map. And I understand that this Callista was like the only champion that was going to deal damage. So maybe it was like, well, we have to save the Callista because if she's not doing anything, then there's no way that we can win. But that in and of itself is a problem if you've drafted in a way where the only possible outcome is getting your Callista ahead and it doesn't happen. Well, then congrats. That's another reason why the draft was bad. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Okay. So we think they're going to offer and then yeah. that would leave them 7 and 11, which is like out of the playoff picture. And definitely a disappointment for a roster that was, hey, these guys are all staying together. And last year they proved to everyone that they were actually deserving of respect. It kind of puts a little bit of a damper on that uh the long-term story of e uh, of clg rather yeah i think the way that the playoff picture is shaping up to be eight wins seems to be the number that you need to hit and while clg maybe only needs one win based off their opponents it could be quite difficult to get that one win yeah which for at least a tiebreaker we think right yeah the eight wins yeah yeah i guess with clg's case we'd have to look at their head-to-head -head records against 100 thieves tsm and team liquid they obviously have TL to still play, so yeah, I guess they two owed one hundred thieves. So CLG two okay, owed one hundred thieves. That's important. Um, they are they are one and zero against Team Liquid. Okay, so if they win that, if they win against Team Liquid, then they probably have a really good shot of getting in. And then they're one and one against TSM. Yeah, so I think in CLG's case. Their most likely scenario will probably be playing TSM for a tiebreaker. So, but they're going to have to win one of those games against. Yeah, maybe CLG. You know what? I'm not allowed to be surprised by anything CLG does. Maybe they come out, they 3 0, and they're one of the best teams in the league again. Uh, not counting okay. on it. It's not 3 0 is not happening, bro. This ain't, this ain't no damn fairy tale. Clip it for when it happens. Okay. Yeah, I'm predicting them 0 3. Okay. Uh, Team Liquid now. Kind of a tough one for them to get in, JT. 
yeah, it, because it's because of tiebreaker stuff, right? And because they're a game back of the other three that they're chasing. Yeah, I think if Team Liquid was, you know, in that clump of seven mm-hmm. wins, I think they would probably be actually my favorite to escape as, you know, one of those teams to first lock in their playoffs. But, but you know, these are the ramifications of the poor start that they had and their, you know, lack of, you know, lack of just being able to close out games and you know operate from a gold lead because it's been kind of a problem for this team the majority of the year okay but here's the problem with tl they are over against all of the teams that they're chasing really they're o2 against tsm or rather against 100 thieves they're o2 or they're o1 against clg and they're o2 against tsm so basically the only scenario that they're... I mean, TSM and CLG have to 0-3 then, and they have to win two games, and 100 Thieves has to be the fifth seed. So the only way yeah. they get in is they have to win two games, and CLG and TSM have to go 0-3 then. So with all of that in mind, what do you think their chances are of making playoffs? I mean, it's it's actually not that bad. I think that they have a higher likelihood than CLG, just based on the schedule and what's how it would shape out, because TL has Dig, CLG... And evil geniuses. So dig, right. I'm gonna count that as a win. CLG is obviously that, you know, that's the key game. If they lose that game, they have no chance. Um, but I think they'll beat them. And then EG, who knows? Maybe Realm is still playing, maybe the whole team is still recovering from having COVID. Who knows? But yeah. them having that one extra game back from the rest of the teams is, is mainly what's hindering their chances. It's massive. So it's it's massive and the tie the tie the head to heads, like we said. So like it, 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 I think I said it earlier, but if I was a betting man, I'd pick TSM to make it. Although I think that TL's the better team, and unfortunately that one extra loss that they have is potentially what holds them back. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you hundred percent that I think they are the better team. The whatever their percentage is mathematically of making it. I'll add on like a 5% just because I think they're, they're better good? than the other teams. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're better than 100 Thieves. I think they're better than the other, than TSM and CLG. And so let's say they're mathematically, their chances of getting in is like 10%, then I'll give them 15% chance of making playoffs, you know, something like that. But it's going to be a rough climb for them. Mm. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why we can hope for them and one of the reasons that we view them as a potentially a good team at the moment is, I mean, they, they kind of destroyed FlyQuest. I mean... Maybe destroyed isn't the the exact word, but they just they had a really them. they outplayed them. It was just a pretty clean game by all standards. And then they kind of got dumped on in the next one, though. Yeah, yeah. they got destroyed Plus by Cloud Nine. Nine yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's a game where you can say you got destroyed because you know mid lane was just straight up over at level three. Uh, Fudge was getting the best of Summit most of the lane, and then Blabber was just doing way more than Pioshik. Yeah. We're coping a little bit and saying that it was it's okay because it was against Cloud9. Yep, we are. I will say, though, that even in that game, I still didn't like Harry's Akali anyways. Like, yes, he was getting outplayed in the mid lane, and that that's bad. But even his teamfight execution, he was just missing quite a bit of abilities that, like... So you well, would say it wasn't land. a perfect execution. Is that a... That, that's a that's the name of Akali ult. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, I, was I was catching on there, yeah. Sorry, I gotta keep up the mantle after Freak left us. Like it was an imperfect execution. There you go. Yeah, no, good, good pun, JNT. You you get a point. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, what did you give him a percentage? Well, you, I don't. Did you give a percentage? You just said whatever yeah, it was plus. Oh, you. Oh, so that was. Okay. I'll give him fifteen. So fifteen percent that they make it. Yeah, maybe give me an over or under fifteen percent if you don't have a percentage in mind. I think it's probably under that. 
And I think mm. that's more just because of their scenarios are so much more difficult. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about the the trash teams. Should we let can we put them together? Yeah, I mean, we do have Immortals up next, although this might have been their best weekend in terms of like performance-wise, although they went 0-2, but they had two really good games against TSM and FlyQuest. The best goddamn 0-2 there is. Yeah, I mean, we always we always talk about like good 0-2s or bad 0-2s or good 2-0s and bad 2-0s. Like this was a pretty good 0-2. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for Balulu, man. He deserved to yeah. win that game against TSM. It Dude, was just he, a. Again, remember last week we said like he's their best player and he's like fresh to the team. He, was, he again, is their, their best, best player. player. And look, it's four games. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but like my God, man, uh, it's definitely looking like he's earning the starting spot for summer. Which, no offense to Ablaze Olive, because it's kind of unfortunate because he's dealing with some mental health issues. But like the better player is clearly Balulu, right? Yeah, and the thing is, clearly, these games are about him. That's what's so insane. The the Zoe game, and now we're seeing Zoe banned. The Velkaz, which I, I will admit that I think the Velkaz is kind of like a, a we got you pick, and like you can't exactly whip that out whenever you want to because I think it's very counterable. Um, but there's already two picks that he made the game absolutely about him, and even his Ari game last week, he was the best player on their team as well. He was popping off on the Ari, and so like. This guy's played three three games where like he was the best player on the rift kind of thing and uh, just not getting the dubs because his team is absolutely awful. He almost did it right with Galio. I saw Phase Rush. I was so happy. And then he fucking built Rod of Ages, man. <laughs> man, his Q deals no damage to the wave. Go watch the game. His Q deals no fucking damage to the wave. Dude, build Night Harvester. It one-shots the backline creeps. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's know simple math. <laughs> uh for those that don't listen every week jnt's been going on about this for the last what would you say two or three weeks well it was since diplex picked galio which would have oh, been like so week it's been four a while then. in like week okay. four i think is when i've started this because we've seen a galio game almost every single like one galio game a week and they're either going aftershock and somebody even built night harvester in a different region but they all had they had aftershock so feels bad man i see uh, nothing really changed, honestly. I, I will reiterate some of the things that I've said before. Tactical still costing them games by just inting. I said that at the start of the split, Revenge looked much better. I think he's still starting to wor look a lot worse again. That one NAR game, he was useless. The only thing that he kept doing was TPing bot to grab a tower or, or, a, or an inhibitor, and then he would just die right after and not really contribute much in fights. Like, it's interesting because you hear it was on the dive they were talking about how like revenge is actually a really good top laner and you've heard i've heard so many pros say that they actually think revenge is a good top laner but like i'm not oh, seeing it on the rift yeah it must be happening in scrims he's the new golden glue i guess is that yeah. is that is that a good comparison he must be must be hmm. golden glue scrim god i would i would uh, i think pushback is the right word but i will throw revenge a little bone here because i think the the TPing VOD for inhib on two separate occasions when he does it was actually the right play. I think people are getting well, but, a little bit hung so up on the fact that he was like TPing for an inhib then dying because I mean, just looking at like Reddit and Twitter and even like stream chats when that was going on, everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like he's making good play. It was just everything else that he was doing was was the problem in my eyes. 
that's the point that I meant to make is that that was the only influence oh, he yeah, had yeah. on games mm-hmm. was that he was TPing bot and just trading yeah. a death for an inhibitor. That's, I didn't necessarily mean that it was the wrong play. But yeah, like, no. I just meant everywhere else he had no influence on the game whatsoever is what I what I meant to say. Yeah, I guess, I guess like, what, what I was trying to say is it to me felt like the community was more focused on the fact that he was TPing for inhibs and dying rather than the fact that he was doing absolutely nothing in the rest of the game. Because, like, like we both agree here, that was the only positive thing he was doing in this game. Yeah. So my final thoughts are: I think Tactical is out for summer. I think Balulu is in for summer, and I don't know who they're going to find for AD carry. But anyone. I guess I would also say that Kenvi does seem to be proving himself a little bit in this split. I think he obviously isn't as weak as he was in summer of last year, when it was pretty obvious that he was just a rookie who didn't really know what the fuck he was doing. Um. I think he's still a player who I would, you know, I wouldn't write off yet. You know, I would keep him if I was Immortals, but, you know, I, I, there, all signs have pointed to that. He can hang in the LCS. He might not be, you know, a top tier player, he might not even be a mid tier player, but he, he can hang in the LCS. Maybe it's just so unfair to me that like him and you could throw revenge in this as well have been stuck on immortals. And so I would love to see what these players look like on another team. And it kind of just makes me realize that like, if I'm an Academy player and I get an offer from IMT, I'm saying, Nope, I'm staying into Academy till someone else offers me something. Cause I'm just going to piss away my career by getting paid minimum wage to play for immortals and just getting clapped. I don't remember. Envy was on hundred T, right? Yeah, he was, he was, he was on the 100 T program. He was, he was like Lucio some, and Tenacity. Maybe there's some players that think like, yes, I know Immortals is bad, but if I could look a little bit good playing for Immortals, that says a lot about me. So maybe that's why they take these offers into the LCS. There's also the fear of maybe I never get another LCS offer ever again, right? So that I, I totally, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's an easy thing to decline offers from Immortals, but I'm just saying if you're an Academy player, I would definitely consider declining offers to play for Immortals LCS team because it's really hard to look good on that team. So, yeah, that's my take. I don't know. Agree or disagree? I I would agree. I mean, I think that, especially, I mean, I, we won't sidetrack this too much, but you can definitely see there are certain LCS teams whose Academy affiliates just naturally produce, you know, LCS players. And whether or not that is due to their actual play or just the general reputation of these Academy teams, if you're on, you know, a Team Liquid Academy, a Cloud9 Academy, even a 100 Thieves Academy, and... You know, I guess the other team I would throw in there is CLG because those four teams, I think, have sort of been the, you know, better of all of the academy programs in the LCS. And, you know, if I was an academy player, I'd be reaching towards that goal before, you know, getting into LCS on one of the worst teams in the league. You know, yeah, obviously that's a, that's that's an interesting thing to balance. But if you're truly looking for the long term, you know, maybe sticking it out another split or another year in academy on a potentially better academy team could be more worth your time than joining Digger Immortals. That's what I'm saying, man. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, Dignitas, last up. Uh, can they pass Immortals, JNT? They have their last three games are Team Liquid, TSM, and Golden Guardians. Yeah, I guess we didn't really say that immortal schedule is EG Cloud on 100 Thieves, so you know zero three right there. So we think IMT is going to go zero three, and Dignitas what, might also go zero three, but their best chance is TSM, I think. Dig and Immortals are one to one on head to head, right? Because they they are. I am pretty confident in the fact that they are. Okay. So I would say that no, Immortals is two zero over Dig. Wait, really? 
Yes, I actually, I should have known this off the top of my head because I took I took Dignitas in both of those games. I predicted mm. it both times. The first one, Dignitas threw a 6K lead, and then the second one was either last week or two weeks ago when they needed a few hits on the Nexus. They decided to try to backdoor instead of just taking the free win when they had like the much better uh, comp to team fight. Remember, yeah. okay. Immortals was running poke comp, and they had like Sejuani with Warmogs. And they had oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they decided to try for the backdoor instead. Mm. I don't know. Okay, well, consider. I mean, I guess uh, when we say is somebody going to catch a team in my world, if they were like if Dig was one to one in the head to head and you know tied them, then I would say obviously you didn't pass them. But if they were tied and one of them had the two over the other, I would say that you pass them, even though the standings won't show that because it'll just show them tied for ninth. So right. Unfortunately, the 2-0 head-to-head, they're not going to pass them. That would mean that Dig they would have to win wins. two wins, and Immortals has yeah. to have no wins and. You know, maybe dig like they're likely games to win in those is Team Liquid and TSM. But I mean, I'm not picking dig on over any of those. I'm not picking dig for any of the games this weekend. But I will say that, like, I think combined, like, it's kind of one of those arguments where you say, like, they have a 33% chance of winning all of the games. Well, if you play three games, then obviously you have more than just a 33% chance of winning just one game. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like the percentages combined kind of give them a chance of, of taking one and tying immortals i have a dignitas hot take let me know what you think about it dignitas should not change anybody on this roster and roll with it into summer i don't think that's that hot of a take because i agree fair enough then okay mm, it, it all depends on who's available uh, that's right? true i guess the only player <laughs> i might consider swapping would then be armut but um, yeah, and who's available? Oh Whippo? yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Do you think Whippo would join Dignitas in this state? I don't. We say in this state, but I, I think let's not forget that they have a different bot lane right now than they had for the majority of the split. Um, it included Spawn for a good portion of it, and as well as Biofrost. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the team was fucking horrendous, and. Yep. I think a lot of that had to do with one, spawn clearly isn't LCS ready, um, and two, like I kind of alluded to in previous episodes, I don't think Biofrost was like even prepared to play competitively this year, although he was thrust into you know subbing in for Dignitas when he was on no Academy team, no LCS team, and was just saying he was at when he was streamed. So, and not to ignore the fact that Jensen said before one week before the start of LCS that the team had never scrimmed together ever. And what Armut didn't arrive until like right before the game started. Ignar wasn't even there until week four. So while this team is in complete shambles, I don't think that it's going to stay that way. I think that, you know, I am confident enough in Santorin and Jensen to bring this team back up to the middle of the pack next year. And I think that they could do that with this roster. If it weren't for um, this goes for IMT or Dignitas. I've said this in the past. If it weren't for Afro and Johnson not playing for the last three months, I think either one of those teams should have gone after those two and maybe still should. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit less confident that it would work out because Dude, what it's if been three months since they haven't been playing? Hear me out, hear me out. Mm-hmm. Immortals 2023 summer roster. It's mm-hmm. Whippo, Kenvi, Balulu, Johnson, Afro Moo. I just don't think that would happen. Okay, but if it did, if it did, are they popping off or what? Like, are they like uh, middle of the pack? Are they still dog shit? Or I think they, I think they'd be, I think they'd be 
six we maybe power rank them yeah we're gonna put mm. them in the six spot uh i'll give them a, an eight i'll put them in the the seven or eight spot if that roster got put together it's so hard to say because when guys take time off you know what i mean like it's yeah. such a disadvantage it that's what bothers me so much about the afro retirement is i just hope to god it was him actually wanting to retire but we haven't heard anything like that it sounds like he didn't get any offers yeah and was forced to retire when that guy was more than good enough and should have still been playing in the lcs i'm getting fired up again jnt I would probably, ha I know, I would probably have to say that he just wanted to retire because... I hope so. Let's go. I would, Let's pretend. Yeah. Well, I mean, how old is that guy? He's 31 now, Afro? Fucking yeah, hell, like, that, like shit, that. that shit's old, bro. It's not that old. <laughs> For LCS, it's old, I guess. <laughs> okay, let's get into the predictions. Yeah, obviously, we can the go through these pretty quickly because okay. I think we've alluded to a lot of these already. Um, the standings are still the same as last week. I am one game behind Blue Jay, so something's got to change in the Super Week. I'm going to have to potentially take some upsets somewhere unless, I mean, we'll see. But Okay, uh, let's cruise. First game, Cloud9 FlyQuest. I'm going Cloud9. Cloud9. Uh, CLG versus Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians for me. Golden Guardians. TSM versus 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. Immortals versus Evil Geniuses. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Last week, someone said, we're not supposed to say 100 Thieves. It's just 100 Thieves. I remembered. Did you know that? No. Apparently, we've been saying it wrong this whole time. I don't care. I'm like you with GGS. 100 Thieves. Okay. okay. All right, 100 Thieves. Um. Wait, I, I really actually know that. Is that that's like real? Apparently, I don't know. It's a YouTube comment, so okay. I guess it's hundred thieves. Guess we'll find out afterwards. Um, where are we? Dignitas versus Team Liquid. Um, Team Liquid. Did we skip Immortals EG? Thought we both said EG. Oh, EG. Okay. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, if if Team Liquid, EG, Team then yeah. for for clarity's sake, we're both going EG. Okay, so both EG and then both Team Liquid and then EG versus one hundred thieves. I'm going EG. Mm. Ooh, he's gonna do it, guys. Maybe. But I kind of have to at some point. I'm trying to like I'm looking a little bit in the future, and I have to at some point. I mean, this is I hey, think a close game upset? anyway, especially considering, like I said, the situation with EG. Maybe they have COVID still, and they're gonna feel like shit in a week's time. We'll go, we'll, we'll go 100 thieves. Okay, TSM Dignitas. I am going TSM. TSM. CLG Team Liquid. We're both going Team Liquid. Yep. Immortals Cloud9, Cloud9. Yep. FlyQuest Golden Guardians, FlyQuest. Yep. Still, I think. CLG Cloud9, Cloud9. Yep. TSM FlyQuest, FlyQuest. Yep. Team Liquid EG. Are you going for an upset there as well? I'm going EG. I mean, I could play for the tie or play to win it here. And if I could, I could win it by picking Team Liquid, but. You could I mean, technically lose it by picking Team Liquid. I'll pick Team Liquid. I'm going to back them. I've been backing Team Liquid most of the split. I think they're better than they are, so Team Liquid. Okay, and then Dignitas, Golden Guardians. Golden, Golden Guardians. Guardians. And then Immortals, 100, th 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. Okay. Nice. That, I'm going to have a hard time not saying 100 Thieves. Hmm. Um, only one smidgen, a piece of quick news, right games. They answered our prayers. There will be a Danny investigation. Hallelujah. Yep. I mean, come on, right? It had to like, it had is there happen. ever a world? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the dream is that 
from the investigation there, regardless of how guilty or not guilty all the parties are, the dream is that from these investigations, there is a new rule set in place, hopefully, that requires teams to have mental health care professionals available to the players, regardless of whether they're at MSI or Worlds or whether they're still in NA. Just have someone that the players can access at all times, man. That's all I ask. Yeah, my my only fear is that like it'll be on the team's responsibility to do so, and then some teams still might not even f- fulfill that responsibility just because they're noob or something. Yeah, and Luat Boy says, isn't that just a leak from Evie and not an official statement? Uh, yeah, that is the Evie announcement. That is correct. true. I should have mentioned that. You are correct. Yes, yeah. So that's where we are at with that. Thank you, Luat Boy. And that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you all for joining us in the live chat i could scroll up and name all the names i'm not going to but thank you guys for hanging out in the live chat um next week gonna be same time guys 7 p.m est 4 p.m pst and remember if you enjoyed the content please consider subscribing liking and leaving us a comment we this week we want to know about what you guys think about the salaries we want to know about uh honestly maybe the power rankings as far as specifically more FlyQuest because i think that's a kind of hard team FlyQuest and eg are kind of hard to pinpoint we want to know your guys thoughts mm-hmm. on that what else do we want to know jinther uh who's going to make playoffs what two of the four teams tl clg 100t or actually i just said 100t right there i noticed mm. hmm. yeah interesting and should we be saying 100 thieves or 100 thieves <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to think about it right now. I feel like I say 100 when I say 100T, but if I say the full name 100 Thieves, like I want to say 100 Thieves. But if I say yeah. the short form, it's 100T. Because I don't, sure I would I'm never saying... say, I would never say 100T. Like that just, that doesn't make any sense in my mind. I feel like I never would have said that. I think that. I have been. I think that's what I've been saying. 100T? Damn, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. You know, here's why though. Here's why. Because when I do my notes, I do voice recognition, right? Oh. And so it's more clear to say 100 and it'll come up as, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I say 100, it might write out the word H, you, you get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's it for this episode. We will see you guys next week. This has been episode 117 of the Confiesta podcast. Take care, guys.